Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. This is officially our first episode of 2022. So welcome to a new year of the Western Entrepreneur. We're so excited to interview thriving local entrepreneurs right here in Western New York. So if you want to meet local entrepreneurs uh, without actually meeting them, if that makes sense, and you actually want to connect with them and hear you know, their expertise and the do's and the don'ts and their level uh, of their field of expertise, uh, you've come to the right place. So Thanks for joining us. We took a two, three week break during the holidays to get some staff off and to give us a break to refresh. So again, welcome to the first episode of 2022. We have an awesome guest. We have Eric Worrell, who's actually the owner and founder of Loco, Local Ventures. And he's actually like a, a local YouTuber here. Um, so uh, Eric, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Uh, just been following what you do. I come across little snippets on LinkedIn and I was like, I got to get to know this guy and reach out because I, I love what you're doing as far as just trying to build a community for local entrepreneurs. I think that's really cool. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you reaching out and uh, and I'm actually glad to have you on the show and I'm honored to have you as our first guest, man. So let's dive into it for the sake of time. So for Eric, for those who don't know you, your background, how'd you get into entrepreneurship? What's your background, your expertise and and kind of how has the journey been for you uh, since you started it? Um, I always tell people that I have the ambition of an entrepreneur and the wiring of an employee. So it's been a painful journey. Um, I was uh, employed for many years for different kind of things. Like I did event marketing for probably like seven years in my 20s. Um, did everything from Verizon, MLB, ESPN, TNT, honey bunches of votes. I drove the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile food truck across the country. So kind of a weird job, cool thing to do at that age, just to see the, uh, the US and Canada. Um, then I got into digital marketing while at the same time, I ended up getting into an advertising agency. So I was working in there for four years, really cool experience for um, an agency called Out the Sea, which I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with. Um, and I got to learn radio broadcast branding, that side of things. Then I ended up getting picked up by a client of ours. Um, and in that job, I was the um, head of marketing for a company called Rent Prep, Tenant Screening Services, and really just got to understand digital a lot better. And it was cool because I'm somebody who uh, learns best when I'm learning by doing. And that was like a playground for a digital marketer. I just got to go in, learn how to optimize blogs, how to do podcasting. I, I hosted a couple hundred podcast episodes, uh, built a community on Facebook, uh, did a lot of stuff with that. And then in the entire time I was doing that, I ended up um, creating content on YouTube and that was growing and getting better and better to a point where it started surpassing my day income. And the reason I say that I have that employee wiring is like, I'm not somebody who jumps into the deep end. Like I was nervous as all get out to do my own thing. But eventually when I finally got to that point um, and took a really kind of slow, slow path to it. I uh, ended up becoming a full-time entrepreneur and I've been doing that for about a year and a half. And I make content to help small business owners online and uh, a lot of different niches, but essentially affiliate marketing. So I make a commission when people use my link in my description of my videos for different products and services and explaining them how they can grow their businesses uh, using these tools. Yeah. So 
That's a lot. There's a lot yeah. going on there. So that being said, man, I liked some of the questions you kind of wrote in your email response, you know, getting this all set up for the podcast and whatnot. And basically one of the questions I actually don't have in front of me. So I apologize. If I, if I, I apologize if I butcher the question, but basically what would I do if I had a thousand dollars to, to market, right. Or to, to, to market a product or a service. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool question. Like, well, I wonder what it is. Um, so I want to lead in with that. So if, in fact, I'll pull it up really quick because I know it's in my other thing here. Um, it's me and my here. So how would I spend a thousand dollars to market any business? Yeah. What would you do? So the reason I came up with this question and thought of this one was because probably my background, right? Like I've done event marketing. I've done traditional marketing. I've done digital marketing. I've done YouTube, podcasts, whatever it may be. I've probably done it. And the thing I realized from working, especially as a consultant, is that everyone has their bias, right? And that would probably be my one piece of advice for that is just looking at the person who's pitching their, their services. And it's just like, if you ask a social media person, what's the best use of $1,000? They're gonna say social media. And you ask a guy who makes blog content, he's gonna say blogs. You ask somebody who sells radio ads, it's radio ads. You ask the guy who's selling advertising in the, the yellow pages, he's still gonna tell you it's the yellow pages. So I think that's the frustrating thing for um, business owners is it's hard to decipher like what's good information and what's not. So my opinion with that is you start by just doing market research and mostly on your competition and see what they're doing. Because if you know there's people that you're competing with and they're doing well too, like how are they getting people in? So if you're a plumber, right, you might just search plumbers, Buffalo, New York on Google. And there's going to be so much data and information on that search result because you're going to see people who are advertising and showing up in ads. And then you can also see how many reviews they've had and verified Google reviews. So you can say, oh, wow, like, this competitor has a thousand verified Google reviews. Like they must be doing well with that. Then you're also going to see that little snack pack it's called where you can see like the local map listing. That's a completely different type of uh, work to get show up in there. And then there's the organic listings beneath it. One of the things too, that I found is like, have you ever heard of that? Like, like, how do you know where to set up your business? You ever heard of that question before, as far as location? And there's like a little hack to it. Mm-mm. So it's basically what people used to do is it just see where there was a McDonald's set up because McDonald's would spend insane amounts of money doing market research to figure out where the best possible location was for McDonald's. And then you could just buy retail next to McDonald's and know that that's a really good location for retail. So the same thing can be done now online and you can look at people's websites and you can analyze them using tools. And one of them that I like is called similarweb.com. And you can drop somebody's website in it and it has to be a larger website. So it's not going to work if it's a mom and pop shop down the street. But what I tell people is like, let's say, and I'm probably butchering this interview by like getting into other questions too early. And I do this a lot, but uh, let's say that you owned a local print shop, right? Mm -hmm. Probably the other local print shop isn't going to show up on similar web, but you could throw in a tool like Vistaprint into that tool. And what it's going to do is it's going to tell you where Vistaprint's getting their traffic from. And I've done this before and it's interesting because you're like, wow, Vistaprint does really well on YouTube and they also do really well. And I'm blanking right now on the uh, site, uh, Pinterest, which I never would have thought that Vistaprint and printing would do well on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So then you can go to their local Pinterest page or their Pinterest page and see what they're doing that's driving traffic. And sometimes uh, Google will want to serve results that are actually local. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of take that data and figure out like just funnel hacking, essentially, these large businesses that spend millions of dollars on market research, marketing, and all this stuff, and realize like, hey, these are some channels that make sense to me. So what's so the website called again? Similarweb, you said, .com? Yeah, similarweb.com. Um, that one's really easy to use. So I always recommend that. Um, there's other tools for SEO, uh, search engine optimization. So 
uh, hrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com uh, is a good one. And you can plug in your competitors and get so much data from it. And it's stuff mm -hmm. where you can hire a consultant for a hundred bucks so, too. So that's free, correct? All this stuff I'm guessing or no? Uh, similar web has a free and paid hrefs is going to be paid. So that one, you might want to pull somebody in. Um, but is that where you would pay the thousand dollars or, or I'm, I'm sorry if I'm missing the answer. Well, I'd say to start off, uh, just kind of look at things and just do your own research. Try to figure out as much as you can, just Googling things, like looking at your competitor's website. Like what does their website look like? There's so much information. Like, are they doing a trial that you're not doing? That's like, wow, that's a way less risky thing for somebody to try out and you're charging people day one. I think that's where I would start. But typically what I've found, especially, and the reason I would give this advice in this podcast is because you probably have a lot of local businesses, is I would spend a lot of money. I would spend the majority of that money on uh, Google listings, Google My Business. So if people aren't familiar, Google My Business used to be ran through Google Plus, like Google just kind of butchers like branding. They always kind of change up what they're calling things. But it's basically when somebody searches plumber, Buffalo, New York, and you see that map listing pop up on the Google search results page, and there's those three listings that's being pulled from what's called Google My Business. So if you go to google.com forward slash business, if you haven't verified your account, you can do that there. Then there are other tools. One of them is called brightlocal.com. And there you can actually spend about $500 with that tool and they will optimize that listing for you to a better degree than 95% of your competition is doing because they're just not paying attention to it. Mm. So what will happen is, is tomorrow you'll see nothing from it, but in a month, two months, three months, when you start showing up in those listings for when people are making those generic searches. So that's when somebody's searching like plumber, Buffalo, New York, not like I'm looking for this specific brand. Uh, if you start showing up in those three listings, it is huge for business, like absolutely massive. Then it's about reputation. What kind of thing can you spend money on to make sure that you're getting reviews in? Now you can't incentivize people. You can't say, Hey, here's 25 bucks for leaving a review, but you can build out mechanisms in your business to get those reviews. Right. Like SMS so, afterwards, how was your stay? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I got a massage yesterday. They sent me a text. Hey, how was, can you, uh, how was your, uh, how yep. was your massage? Can you leave a review about it? And that's probably just a piece of software that's, you know, 50, hundred bucks a month or something that they're using. And I know it stings to pay that though, but most of these local businesses, if you have a good review and you're also doing work to optimize your Google, my business listing, and then what you'll find with Google is they're always creating more um, options for that Google My Business listing. So it's like you can do stuff where you can do a quote request. You can actually chat with people through it. So like it's an app that you can download on your phone and literally just sit there and chat back and forth. Like to me, like at that point, if you can show up when people are searching and you can separate yourself from other businesses because you actually have somebody who's chatting in real time with them, like you're like, holy cow, like who wants to hire a contractor? Hiring a contractor is painful a lot of times because you're like, are they going to show up? Am I hurting cats? All this stuff. And if you're the contractor who is going above and beyond right at the, the, out of the gates, people will be like, I don't know why I just feel good about this company. I'm going to go this direction, you know? So that's where I would spend a thousand bucks is doing that, optimizing that Google, my business listing. Um, and then really just putting in an, a concerted effort into getting good reviews and making uh, that listing great. And you can do that through really good photos. Um, and you can do posts, weekly posts on there kind of like you went on Twitter or something like that. All that stuff, in my opinion, is a great use of uh, no, that's, that's really good. I've never heard of this before, which is interesting. So I love that. So again, can you kind of do a quick run through of those? Because some people are driving, some people like want to, hey, what was the answer to that? I'm sure they can obviously hit rewind for the uh, website. So there's similar web. And what are the other ones again? Uh, bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, local. Mm -hmm. 
Bets.com. There's a, a competing services, but I like that one. What you're going to do is you can run a citation campaign on that service. And what it'll do is um, it's going to build citations across the web for you. And what a citation is, is like Yelp is one, right? Mm -hmm. So if your business is called, you know, mine's Loco Ventures, right? It needs to show up exactly the same across all those citations. So on Yelp, it should be the name, address, and phone, what they call NAP, N-A-P, should be identical on your Google My Business listing and identical on Monta.com and Twitter and Facebook, Foursquare, whatever. So that service for $2 a listing will build that out for you and correct all those issues. And that's why I say 95% of your competition here is not doing that. Yeah, you know? I agree with you. Well, they don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. For the, for the sake of time, we're going to move on to another subject, but sure. but that was gold, man. I love that. So um, that was awesome. It's, ama it's amazing how the simplest ideas can take us so far. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be rocket science, but that was, I really like that. So um, you're a YouTuber, yep. uh, which I'm guessing if they don't, if they didn't see the the title, they're like, oh, I didn't know this guy's a YouTuber. Uh, so tell us, how did you get into it? Give us the short version of mine. How did you become a YouTuber? What have you learned so far? I have some questions, but I'll, I'll, I'll start there. Uh, I ended up buying a rental property in North Buffalo and I was trying to paint a bathtub and all the videos looked like ads. And when I saw that, I was like, this isn't helpful for me. So I just created my own video on how to paint a bathtub and it took off. It was doing like five, 10,000 views a month. About like 10 months later, I ended up finding out that you could monetize it. We're going back like nine, 10 years ago. I didn't realize I could make money on this and ended up making like a dollar a day, $2 a day off of this video. And I was hooked because I love the idea of passive income. So from there, I just started figuring out the platform, learning how it works and how you can rank content on the um, search results and also in suggested. And I uh, just kind of fell in love with it. I, I like communicating through video, you know, like you are really well, uh, you do very well off the cuff, right? You could deliver a speech in front of a thousand people, no problem. I'm going to have a little bit of pee running down my leg while I do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when I'm on video, I'm like, all right, I got it on the eighth take and they don't have to know that it took me eight tries. So yeah. I just, you know, started exploring. And then once I learned about affiliate marketing and how you can earn income from just being that 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 person in the middle that's helping guide people's decisions and figuring out what's the good product or service for them and now that's what i do full-time and yeah so i think it's really cool you're a full-time youtuber and i'm not gonna lie when i hear full-time youtuber i think of this like 16 year old like justin Bieber, who's making yeah right. you, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think of this like what they're making like you hear like youtubers making like all this crazy money you're like how does a 16 year old make eight million dollars a year off of youtube so so i thought that was really cool that um that you do that full-time and you're local so yep. I'm sure you get this question all the time, Eric. You probably get annoyed because I get asked how tall I am all the time because I'm six foot seven. So you gotta get asked because what you do, how do you, how do, what's the first thing you need to do as a YouTuber to make it like full time? So like, what advice do you have for those that are thinking about it? The do's, the don'ts, or who ask all the time, how do I do a podcast? And like, oh my gosh, there's so much involved. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for people that are thinking about making YouTube content and getting paid for it? Well, I, I got to go back one step here because I thought you were taking this in another direction. And I was like, how does he know how tall I am? Because I thought that's what you're making it up. I'm 6'6", six, six, which is kind of funny because we're well, both no just, yeah, we're on a Zoom call here. So uh, it's hard yeah, to we're tell. Yeah, level either way. <laughs> yeah, we, we have the same problems. Like, how's the weather up there? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, never heard that before. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I totally get it. So yeah, so you get asked it all the time. It almost gets annoying. And what I mean by that is you probably get annoyed at like, how do we become a YouTuber? You're like, oh my gosh, you're not going to even use what I give you anyways. Yeah, yeah. But for those that are serious so, about thinking about it, what should they know? You know, it kind of goes back to the other thing I was talking about doing research. So if there's something that you like doing or like there's channels that you like and you're like, you know what? I really want to get started a cooking channel and I want to do it about bread. 
Well, start going to YouTube and searching cooking channels on bread and see how they do it, right? There's going to be a cadence that they speak with. There's going to be a style that the videos are. And the thing is, is Google's results, whether it be Google or YouTube is always trying to serve a result that they think is the best for the person that's searching for that. And those, that means those results at the top are probably the best, right? Especially on YouTube, because the whole thing is based on audience retention. How long can you keep and hold attention for? And those videos at the top of the results are doing the best job of it. So I'd start there and without getting too far in the weeds, because you can really get into the weeds on like how to do proper research. Um, but the other thing, um, not that the podcast listeners would hear this, but I, I keep a little chair on my desk and this is kind of an old business axiom, right? Where like a lot of times, like in the boardroom, they'll keep an empty chair and they'll do that because they'll say the empty chair represents our customer. And we want to make sure that they have a seat at the table when we're making decisions here. Well, for YouTube, the reason I do that is I always keep my viewer in mind and be like, this is about them. This is about what their questions are, what their desires are, what are their pain points? Who are they? Why are they even searching for this content? So I always try to keep that in mind. And it's not about what I want. It's about what they want. And one, one little tip I can give people on this, there's always ways that you can kind of reverse hack big data. And what I mean by that is like, let's say I was like, how to start a YouTube channel, or I wanted to make a video on that. I could go to Google and search that. And people are familiar with this. You see those search results pop open and it says people also ask. Well, that's the other questions that people have on that topic. Does that make sense? So it may be like, how much does it cost to start a YouTube channel? Um, how should I go about doing it? How much is a camera? What camera do I need? So suddenly there's this bullet point list of things that Google based on their big data is telling me that, hey, these are things that people are also asking with this question. So I do that kind of research. Again, it goes back to research and I infuse that into the video. And what I get and what I find is that people will be like, oh my gosh, it's like you're in my head. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you the things that Google is giving me as clues of mm -hmm. what I should be doing here. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're an ambassador for Google, the way you're, all the information you're giving today. Hey, really quick. I just want to interrupt your podcast momentarily to let you know of a unique or new or different way to reach local business owners right here in Western New York through the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast. We have an array of different options for business owners to reach, uh, again, other business owners in the area, other entrepreneurs, whether it's being blasted on our social media pages, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, we have thousands of followers alone on our Instagram page, uh, whether it being on our email blast, where we literally have over 3,000 subscribers to local entrepreneurs that you know have tuned into our podcast here, and or something like this, I actually getting a, a 45 second to one minute commercial, letting them know or letting other entrepreneurs locally here know what you can provide in terms of products or services. So if you're interested, again, in, in a unique or different way to be introduced or to let other entrepreneurs locally here know about you and your business, why don't you send us an email at david at westernyorkentrepreneur.com. That's david at wnyentrepreneur.com. Yeah. Um, I have a couple, a couple of questions here, actually. And I put on Facebook and LinkedIn, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing this full-time YouTuber. What questions do you have for them? So it's okay if I go through them real quick, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be We're great. Do some lightning round. I have a bunch of questions. So if you don't mind, let me just run through them real quick. <laughs> um, so what's here. So what are upfront expenses do you need to know or need to get to pay to get started? Are there any upfront costs? Yeah, I'd say like two, 300 bucks, like get a nice webcam, get good audio, good audio. You can do for a hundred bucks. I think we were talking about this, right? You're using a Yeti mic right now. Yep. That's, that's plenty fine to get started. Uh, same with, uh, 
you know, uh, 4k webcam costs you 150 bucks. Uh, and then just good lighting. Right. And then it, what you you'll find those YouTube, rings in front of you. Yeah, you could do that. You know, there's plenty of different options out there. Um, the one thing I'll say is bad audio will ruin your video much quicker than bad video will right? You got grainy video. It doesn't look great. It looks like it was shot on a cell phone. People can handle that if the content's good, but if your audio is just going, mm -hmm. people will bounce. So I, if I was to spend on one over the other, I'd go with a higher end mic than I would with the higher end camera. Mm, that's good. I love it, man. Um, the other thing is <laughs> actually one person, can you teach me? And I'm like, teach you about what, what's be specific here. He goes, what get, uh, but I guess the hard part is how much time is, is spent editing and, and what do you use to edit? Yeah. Video? Yeah. A lot of different programs out there to edit. I like to keep it simple. I'm not real technical. I use a tool called ScreenFlow that is made for Mac. Um, but once you get to a certain size, then you can outsource it. So my editor now that I use is in Chile. Um, and typically I'm around 35 to 50 bucks per video for her. Uh, and you get kind of into a nice um, system with that and she can edit that down for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the editing process, I think the biggest thing is it's, it's kind of like they say, writing a book, right? Yeah. You start with 800 pages and then you get it to 500 and then your editor's like, all right, this needs to be 300. And you're like, wow, this is super painful. I'm like cutting out pages and these are my babies. It's the same with video. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you got fluff in there, cut it out. Like if you got ums and ahs and dead silence, cut it out, like make that thing snappy and make it move. Yeah. That's good, man. Um, my buddy, uh, so by the way, that was Matt Foss who asked that question. Sam Bloomberg was the first one. I just want to give shout outs for those who, um, yeah, local entrepreneurs that, so Sam Blue, Sam Bloomberg, thanks brother. He's actually like six, seven, two tall guys only on this podcast, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, Matt Foss and then Tom Larson, who's a good buddy of mine who pays the, the sponsors or affiliate income or membership fees. That's, that was his question. Okay. So with, um, the, there's a couple different uh, monetization routes with this. Uh, AdSense is the easiest to explain. So YouTube, right? They are collecting all the money from the advertisers that are advertising on the video. So let's say there's that pre-roll ad, those ones that you can skip after five seconds at the beginning of the video. If somebody watches that for 30 seconds, probably what's going to happen is like YouTube will keep like five to six cents and I might get five to four, right? Because that's what the split is. It's about 55, 45. It kind of is a, a variable rate. Um, but if you get enough views, you can get money that way. But that money is different depending on what the people are viewing. If it's a video on how to peel a hot dog, which I don't even know what that is, that's going to be like $2 that you're going to earn per 1,000 views. If you have a video on legal topics or very high-end stuff, um, that could be $100 per 1,000 views. So not all those ads are created the same. Mm -hmm. Then on the affiliate side, it really depends. Um, there are a lot of affiliate marketplaces so you can think of it kind of like a mall, right? You can go to a mall and go to like 47 stores. I can go on one marketplace and see thousands of companies that are on that marketplace. And they give me their data and say, hey, we're paying this much. This is how much our earnings per click is, all that kind of stuff. Um, and with that, uh, in those particular cases, you can kind of just see what might be a good fit based on your knowledge set. You can even search different kinds of categories and industries. And what that marketplace does is they actually create all the technology to track the click. So somebody clicks on my link, they cookie them, they go to that website and they end up, end up uh, purchasing 20 days later. And our agreement is I get credit for all sales for 30 days. Mm -hmm. That's how that's going to be processed. So then that's cool. what's the website for that, by the way, I'm sure someone's uh, asking what a I website get, like is. top three, like that I used uh, share a sale. Um, another one's called impact radius. Um, uh, another one that I use quite a bit is called commission junction, which is actually CJ now cj.com. 
but there's literally like there's a hundred of those services and then there's thousands Just of off the top of your head yeah yeah i know someone's gonna ask that question that's that's actually really i like that that's actually good information yeah. Uh, Andy Sal, hey, buddy. Uh, another guy I play volleyball with. Um, the market is becoming oversaturated with the same content. How do they see themselves evolving with the current times? Do you think YouTube will be around long term? And if so, how do they plan on continuing new innovation ideas to keep their content fresh? So I got the last part, obviously, you don't own YouTube. So maybe that's not a good question for you. But yeah. how do you keep things fresh? And do you think you know, YouTube would be all around long term from your from your, uh, your thoughts? I do think YouTube will be along, uh, around long term and maybe that's a you know we're talking about biases earlier right I, that might be me hoping they are right i like them as a boss but um tiktok uh, last year overtook youtube and actually everything it was the number one used platform in december of 2021 uh, is what i heard so youtube is very well aware of that and as a creator i kind of like that because what it does is it creates a little bit of competition in the marketplace and you know what youtube's not going to do they're not going to cut my adsense rate they're they're actually looking for ways to help creators because they want to encourage it. So you've probably heard about YouTube shorts. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have. Basically what they did is they copied what TikTok is doing and they have these 60 second videos now that you can do and they're vertical. You know, if you're holding your phone, like uh, it's vertical, right? Mm -hmm. And with that, it's um, they are giving so much exposure to those videos because they're just trying to compete with TikTok and make sure that TikTok doesn't eat their lunch. Now, the thing I like about YouTube is like, if you can picture going to google.com, right? Very clean homepage. It's just a search bar, right? And that's because they know that's exactly what you came there to do. YouTube is a blend between a search engine and also a social media platform. So if you can picture the homepage of YouTube, there's a little search bar at the top, but then there's all this content that they serve beneath that. And that content is tailor-made to you. It's yeah. specific to every single user because they have millions of data points on you. So they have so much information on you. So I think be because it's a blend of search and social that it has a lot of staying power compared to other services. Mm, that's good. Is there more to the question? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, you answered that, one, that, that second question really, really good. Uh, first question was basically, how do you, uh, I'll make sure I'm just going to, so like basically, how do you content? keep things fresh? How do you, for in terms of content? Yeah, I think he also talked about like, you know, there's so much content on the platform, which is a really great point. So in business, you hear a lot about like blue oceans, right? Like where are these business opportunities where there's not a lot of competition in there and you have some sort of advantage? Yeah. I found that on YouTube, right? So there's certain, like if I, we talked about doing a cooking channel earlier, that's actually a really bad idea. There's so many cooking channels, like you are going to have to niche down quite a bit. But that's the beauty of YouTube is that they will find your audience for you. So I'm people can't tell on a ball, uh, podcast. I'm bald, right? I'm tall, whatever. So I'm the the tall, bald guy that makes bread. And somewhere there's actually like a hundred thousand people that are like, yeah, I'm a tall, bald guy who loves making bread. And you know, it's a bad example. But basically, the further you niche down, you want somebody to hit that channel and be like, oh my goodness, this this channel was meant for me. So that's how you kind of slice through all of the um, unintentional. Mm, that's really good. And you know, that's so interesting because I feel like that's kind of like the, the, the past, the past year, 2021, really, you know, it's 2022 is that niche down the riches are on the niches. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where I've heard it. You agree with that, obviously. Oh yeah. Big time on YouTube for sure. I love it. My, my, uh, my bro here, uh, Jerry West, what simple steps would they, the logo? Uh, you know, Jerry, Jerry West. Yeah. Yeah. What a name, right? He's local. He's your new store. Uh, what, what simple steps would you recommend to a new person getting started on YouTube? I know we can go in a million ways in this. So yeah, do yeah. your best, buddy. 
Um, I would say, so I already talked about the, um, you know, have a little chair that I look at because it's the person, you know, it's not about what you want. I watch a lot of videos that people are like me, 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 because it's kind of, it's a platform that speaks to the narcissist, which is maybe why I ended up on it. But um, <laughs> it's uh, what I would say on top of that, um, how do you get started on YouTube? Um, I would say that there's something that I call the waiter or waitress voice. So you've probably been out to eat and sometimes your waiter or waitress, you know, I'll just say waiter, uh, just to keep it simple. It, like they, they just like connect with you and they feel like a human being and you like them. And then other times they're like, hi, how are you? Oh, welcome to Chotsky's. And you're just like, Ugh, like this isn't yeah. a human being. This is somebody working for a tip, right? Yeah. So I always say when you're doing YouTube, be yourself, be just very casual. Like don't come out and be like, there are some channels where it's an entertainment channel and they're like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Or they're, they're a kid show where they have to talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, like people are turned off by that. So try to drop And it's same thing. When you watch the news, it's funny. Cause I watched the news and I'm convinced that the way they do the news is not correct. Right. It's just like two people sitting at a table and they're like, yeah, that is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the reason they get away with it was there's three news stations and you had to pick one of the three. But mm -hmm. if you put that news station on YouTube and you had some local YouTuber who talked to you like a Buffalonian actually talked to you, people are going to watch that Buffalonian guy. You'd be like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it kind of sucks. But, you yeah. know, the weather around here, what are you going to do? Yeah. People will be attracted to that character much more than the waiter or the, the news anchor. Yeah. So be authentic. Be you. Don't try to be someone you're not. I love it. But be 110 percent you. Right. If your energy is here bring it up a little bit. I don't talk like this normally, like yeah. the way we're talking in this podcast, I'm probably about 10% less, but it's like, it's more interesting and fun to have a little personality behind. Yeah. It. You don't want to be the clear eyes guy. Right. You need to eventually, yeah. um, that <laughs> makes sense. Wise. So, uh, uh, Pearly may, uh, said, honestly, I've been researching YouTube from the past year. I think I've honed it down, uh, in my mind, but all the questions previously mentioned are great. I think my biggest question is how do you determine your niche? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I guess you can go either way with it. You can do research and figure out where there's the blue ocean kind of thing, right? Or you can just kind of look inwards and figure out where your passions are. Um, what I tell people is you just kind of keep asking yourself questions, right? And, um, oh gosh, I always forget his name. He wrote, do you know who wrote Dilbert, the comic? Mm -mm. No, mm, I always forget his name. Um, it'll pop in like probably one minute after this interview is over. But um, he wrote a book called uh, How to Fail Big, I think, or How to Fail Forward kind of thing. And yeah, he had a really- yeah. Yeah, he had a really interesting concept. And he said that what's your winning combination? So what he was talking about is if people are familiar, not familiar with Dilbert, right? It's a comic strip that also involves business. So what this guy said is he's like, I am an above average humorist. I'm an above average cartoonist. And I have an above average um, knowledge within the corporate America, right? Because he had a whole corporate America background. He goes, he goes, if I go to a party, you're probably going to find a humorist and a corporate person that know more than I do and are funnier than I am. And he goes, and there's plenty of people who can draw better than I can. But when I put those three things together, I came up with my unique combination, right? So I kind of think of that in terms of YouTube too, right? So it's like, yes, all right, you might be passionate about streaming XYZ, but maybe you're also funny. And then maybe you also have this knowledge and skill set or way of communicating over here. And when you put the combination of those things together, suddenly you have something that people, they don't, they can't put their finger on it, but they just like what you're presenting. So mm -hmm. I think, think about like your, your talents, your skills, your passions, and all those things and how you can combine those things together and you make a unique channel that nobody else could touch because they just don't have that combination of talent. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Last question. Cause we're actually out of time. Um, sure. 
how long did it take you to be the the get a quote unquote full time wage from YouTube? Yeah, that's, that's a good question too. These are all great questions. And how um, much time have you averaged per week in building the channel? I guess that those are. Two. Uh, I would say so. I started in two thousand and nine. Uh, I want no two thousand and twelve, and it's been because uh, it's been about nine years, going on ten. And the the first six, I was probably it took me six years to probably get to uh, about a thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of put my foot in the sand and just said, you know what, I'm doing this. And I started ramping it up and I, I was doing about 20, 25 hours a week as a side hustle. Um, really stunk. I was getting up at three, four in the morning doing that whole thing, you know, and doing content. And it's funny because I look back and see the time on the, if I'm doing a screen capture, right. And I'm like, oh, that's why I look tired in that video. Um, but <laughs> once it, it really depends, right. And what I would say again, is it's in the research. So I find affiliate opportunities now where I used to bat one out of 10 on a video being worthwhile. Now it's four or five out of 10, which is massive difference, right? Mm -hmm. So now my time when I'm using it is being used a lot better. And I would say if I was starting today with what I know now, I can make a full-time income in nine months, mm -hmm. um, maybe nine to 12 months because the content takes a while to grow, right? You're going to have a three, six month window. That's full-time. I'm going to be cranking content 50 hours a week, really putting my effort into it. But I would say in a year on that 13th month, I would feel comfortable, you know, having a good livable wage in Buffalo. Um, but that's with 10 years experience. You know, if I was to say the same thing five years ago, I'd be like, it's probably going to take me about, you know, three years, you know? Yeah. So it's just like anything you get better at it and you kind of hone your craft. Dude, you, you've been great, man. We asked you so many questions. Uh, Eric, I really appreciate it, man. We're just simply out of time. So, yeah, yeah. um, so for those who really love like, like, man, I'd love to ask him this question or Dave forgot to ask this or, yeah. Um, I don't know. They just want to connect with you. They're a local entrepreneur that would love to pick your brain on anything that you just talked about. Um, yeah. what's, what, what do you feel? Some people put their cell phones out. Some people put their emails out. What, what do you, what's the best way to contact you, Eric? Uh, I would say email works or LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, I'm sure my name's going to be in the show notes, you know, just find me on LinkedIn. I think there's only one of me locally in Buffalo. Um, and then also my email is Eric at locoventures.co. And I'll say this, I, I don't consult locally uh, with businesses. I was for a while. I don't do it anymore. Um, so you're not going to get any kind of thing that's going to lead to a sales pitch. I'm happy to chat. And the reason I wanted to do this episode in the first place was because I wanted to connect with local entrepreneurs. I'm just some dweeb in his home office cranking out video content. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my ability to chat with people in real life. <laughs> so I was like, and I always like talking with entrepreneurs. Like, I think they're wired in a similar manner, the way you think, the way you view things, the, your worldview, all of that. And that's why I wanted to do this is I, I like talking with entrepreneurs. I get a lot of energy when I talk with them. So yeah, yeah man. Well, I, I, I love it. And I'm sure a lot of people get a lot of talk and I, I got a lot out of talking to you twice. So um, that being said, man, um, I'd love for you to come to an event. Uh, obviously, yeah. we do a bunch of events and maybe people can meet you in, in real and, and so that they know that we're both really tall. <laughs> so uh, you actually have another guy, that um, John Adams, who's I think he's 6'10", and he comes to all of our events. Think, so we I can start a basketball making up team. all these names, right? Bloomberg, I'm like, that guy's just a mogul. You have Jerry West, who is the logo for the NBA. Yeah. And then you have John Adams, who makes beer. Like, yeah. I don't, I'm not buying any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, we can create a, a volleyball team slash basketball team out of all of us. So we'll, maybe we'll do that. But anyways, um, Eric, appreciate you, man. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to 
wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.